Welcome to the IESA podcast. My name is Jason Neville and I serve as IESA's Director of Social Media and Publications. Our episode today is a roundtable discussion on all things women in leadership. Uh, I can say with confidence that this is the largest group of podcast guests we have yet. We have a great uh, group here today. Uh, so rather than me kind of introduce each person, we're going to kind of go around and have each of our guests that kind of introduce themselves and say a little bit about uh, their background in their school districts. And we'll start with uh, ISA's very own Dr. Courtney Rizzell. Good morning or afternoon or whenever you're listening to our amazing podcast. I'm Courtney Rizzell, Associate Director of Professional Development for IASA. Hello, I'm Sarah Bocek, uh, former General Counsel of the Illinois Association of School Administrators, and now I'm a partner at the law firm of Korea Bocek. Hi, I'm Carrie Ruby, Superintendent of O'Fallon District 90 in O'Fallon, Illinois. It's a pre-K through 8 school district. Good morning, Crystal Johnson-Maiden, and I am Superintendent at Rossville Alvin School District. Good morning, Julie Kramer, Superintendent at Hudsonville School District. Hi, everybody. Bob Nishama Lewis, Superintendent of Diamond Lake District 76, pre-K through 8 in Lake County, Northern Illinois. Sparkle on. I want to start with the women in leadership part and a little bit going back kind of the history five years ago and sort of how this idea came to be. Uh, Sarah, would you be able to kind of share that story um, and sort of how you got the ball rolling on this? Absolutely. It was sort of a conversation between Courtney and I um, first, and then all of the lovely ladies on on this podcast actually came together. Uh, I went to Dr. Clark when I, in my previous position and basically said, hey, I think there's this initiative. I think we should try it. I think it's something that people haven't done before. And he was game on. He's like, get them all down here. Let's have a meeting. And that's what we did. And the big joke out of that meeting actually was that very rarely do you ever get Dr. Clark to sit down and have the opportunity to put his phone down as well as, you know, a pen and paper, like no notes, no anything. And we literally, um, I'd like to say we captivated um, him for about two and a half hours about the challenges that we face as women um, climbing up through leadership once we get to leadership uh, and those types of things. And it, sort of a movement was born. That was at the heart, like that was the start of the Me Too movement. It was the start of various movements of when I became the general counsel in 2007, we were under 50% of superintendents by far that were represented or leaders in Illinois that were represented by women. And so we actually, at that point, had two people on the board, um, one that represented minority and one represented women. And as we have um, grown our number of women leaders that we no longer needed that special position on the board, which is super exciting to watch. So it really started as an idea. Um, and we took that idea to concept and that concept to reality. It was amazing. It's amazing to watch. And it's amazing to be the person that got to be um, on the front row of that and actually um, stepped out when I, I left the organization uh, and watch it flourish even more. I mean, that's the test, right? The test of true leadership is that you leave behind and it gets better. And it has only gotten better in the last five years. What else do uh, either anybody else sort of remember about that day and the excitement of uh, being able to launch women, lead women in leadership and uh, bringing uh, uh, female superintendents together? Jason, this is Carrie Ruby. Um, I, I feel like um, that was such a powerful day because we were coming together to talk about our individual challenges that I don't know that we've really talked about in the past, that women have necessarily been open to talking about things that we face on our own because we just 
take it on and we deal with it and we move forward. And we think that sharing those vulnerabilities or sharing those challenges that we have in our leadership role means that we're somehow weak. But when we were in that room with those powerful, you know, the powerful group that sat with me, I remember thinking, we all have challenges, we all have vulnerabilities, and it's okay. It's okay to have a network. And we wanted to build that. And so that was our conversation. What I think I I remember most too was that we said very specifically, this is not about there's anything wrong with our male colleagues or there's any kind of male male bashing or you know those types of things. This is truly about the specific unique um, opportunities that we can give women to support women and to support themselves. And this has nothing to do with um, you know anything about our male colleagues. In fact, we've noticed that our male colleagues have come to our women in leadership events and we love seeing them there because they're telling us we too want to support you. We're in a male dominated career at the top of the ladder in a, in a school district. However, we represent a lot of women and so we understand there's a perspective, um, our women, you know, educators that are in the classrooms. And so we understand that perspective. And we said very clearly, this isn't about a, um, his versus hers or any anything like that. This is more about what are those challenges that we face that might be unique to us as women. And I will go a step further. This is Sarah again, that it's very hard to shock Dr. Clark. And some of the conversation about women not being very nice to women and women um, really the whole concept of tripping the prom queen and different things like that. He actually stopped us and said, is this for real? And we're like, not only is it for real, it is what is happening. And it's what's stopping the ability of a lot of women leaders to ascend. Um, and we've got to stop that. So, um, you know, was it all rainbows and sunshine? No, it was actually, you know, kind of taking us out from behind the curtain and saying, yeah, these are our strengths. These are our weaknesses. These are our opportunities and, and, and our threats. I, I like, Cause that is key. I mean, it was so clear at the very beginning that this is not about uh, man, you know, bashing. We, we respect, we need our male colleagues. We rely on them. Um, but just as Sarah said, I think that was the key is females helping females and doing a better job of reaching out and contacting them and saying, Hey, you know, we're here to help you pick up the phone and creating this network. This is Bhavna. And I just want to share that. I think many of us, when we got together in that room, as Sarah said, this was not political. There was a lot of the political voices of women coming out, you know, and saying, here's how I was wronged. That's not what this group was about. It was more of like, yeah, we all have been wronged, but how do we change that? How do we change the trajectory of women in leadership with IASA, with IPA, with everyone around the state and around the country? How do we kind of support each other as superintendents or as female leaders and elevate and celebrate each other and support one another? And when we are going through hardships, how do we reach out and, you know, again, support one another rather than shame one another? And I think all of us have a story to tell and then making, sharing those stories and becoming real. I think it just um, empowered us to become a stronger, more, you know, forceful group, but in a positive way. Not at all was this political. It's not intended to be political. It just makes us, I think, more united, stronger, and supportive of one another. Dr. Orzel and I were talking a little bit uh, yesterday kind of for the uh, Leadership Matters story. And uh, I was a little bit surprised to learn when she was kind of telling me about the premise of tripping the prom queen. And what you we might think the biggest barriers uh, for female superintendents would be like all male school boards. But what you guys are saying, there are a lot of other barriers than that uh, that are sort of at play. So. Um, 
can you kind of touch a little bit more sort of on that barriers uh, that, that women face? I can go ahead and comment on that um, initially, because I think that's why my story to me, when Courtney said, you have a unique story, you need to share it. That's uh, There's a lot of this going on, um, but people are afraid, they're embarrassed, they're ashamed, ashamed to talk about it. Um, my women in leadership story is that I had a female board president in my previous district who literally was out to get me. You know, I'm not going to get into it here, but it was exactly, it was the tripping the prom queen on steroids. And it was my day-to-day reality where there was a work environment created where I didn't feel safe. It was hostile. And it was all because a female person didn't like me personally. And I think many of us have experienced that, whether it's in our personal life or professional life, but to be able to give voice to that, to put it out there and what are we going to do differently and what are we going to do better to improve this? And so it doesn't continue to happen, um, not only professionally, but also personally, you know, inviting people in, having a seat at the table, supporting one another, complimenting each other, you know, celebrating, elevating. I see, you know, Crystal and Carrie right now with their, you know, you aren't able to see this, but their Zoom background is, you know, elevate ISA superwomen. We need to continue to do that. When we see something good, give somebody a compliment, share a kind thought and support them. It doesn't make you less or weaker. And there's enough of that to go around. And I think for so long, we felt that it was a really competitive world. So I can't support my other female colleagues because he or she, you know, because she may want my job or she might be better than me. But I think there's enough to go around. There's plenty of seats at the table. And I think we just have to spread that kindness and spread that joy and spread that sparkle because there's plenty to go around and it just makes each one of us stronger when we do that. Another thing that came out is that, you know, there is plenty of um, purposeful tripping the prom queen, but I think one of the things I took away from that meeting and really when we started talking about is that there's an inadvertent, like there's, there's an unintended tripping the prom queen. At one point in that meeting, you know, somebody said like, Sarah, you just have it all together, like all the time. And it seems like you're perfect. And, you know, you know what to say and when to say it and how to say it. And I literally almost like choked on what I was drinking because I think women have this pressure to be on all the time and feel like that's an internal, um, at least for me, that's an internal stress. Like if I have, if I don't look that way, if I don't act that way, if I'm not one step ahead, then I'm not good enough to be that. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm not a good enough, you know, friend, not a good enough daughter. And so you, you know, I, it's well known in the field. I suffer from like perfectionism, but what I realized in that meeting is by doing that, I was actually, you know, hurting my female, you know, counterpart leaders because they thought they needed to be that way. And I, and it's funny because it's like, that's, that's really funny. I'm like, I'm a hot mess express 99% of the time. I just have the ability to maybe walk out and, you know, put a filter or two on um, and get going. Uh, But I think that was it was that realization is that there's both parts, right? That it's an and not an or. It's do you do it consciously or are you doing it and you don't even know you're doing it so you have to be more self-aware of it because that is real and it's out there and it's it's hurting women in the field. You know, you know the headline uh, you know, for the story is uh, there's more female superintendents now in Illinois than there ever has been. That number right now is 244. Uh, however, Illinois has 852 school districts. What are some initial reactions? So when you hear that 244, the, the, the good and sort of the bad of that, do we still sort of have a long way to go? I would say yes. 
we have a long way to go. Tripping the Prom Queen was written in the year 2006. That was 17 years ago. I do not see the type of movement with women in leadership that we would hope 17 years after that book was written. And the reason that I even talked to Sarah in the first place is because I I knew her personally, but I didn't work for the association at that time. And I felt quite isolated and felt like I don't see a lot of me around, not to take anything away from our male counterparts, but um, the minute that I met Crystal, I had a, a strong connection with her because I was like, first of all, is she 21 and a superintendent? This is incredible. I mean, Crystal was the youngest superintendent in the entire state. She's had two kids during her superintendency. When I met Donna Leak for the very first time, she had young children as a superintendent. And I was really struggling with that. So I think that that number is great. But I think everybody on this call would agree that we need more women in leadership. If you have a majority of school districts that are female dominated because we have teachers who are female, but yet we don't see a similar proportion when we look at leadership, we still have a lot of work to do in this area, which has been part of our our mission at the association to draw attention to it. But I do want Crystal to at least chime in on that particular piece, if she wouldn't mind. Um, I, and I, I would agree, like when I first met Courtney, it was an instant connection because we both had young kids and we were both in the superintendency. And for me, it was really the first time that I met another female superintendent that I could relate to. Um, and, and the struggles were real. And we talk about tripping the prom queen, but I also feel like a lot of times I'm tripping myself um, because I don't feel good enough or I'm second guessing where, you know, my priorities lie. Um, and as we've grown with women in leadership and as we've built our momentum, it's made it okay. And I, I don't feel like I have those inner struggles like I used to. Um, and I, I think women in leadership, we are coming a long way and our momentum is building and it's moving. And I think the more and more uh, that we create these opportunities for women, I think we'll see an increase in our numbers. I think it sometimes comes down to kind of what I think Courtney and, and Bob have really championed over the years of see, sit, see somebody say something to them. You can do this. You can be that. Because a lot of times I've heard stories where teachers will be coming up and they want to have a bigger family or they want that. And they just are like, I can't do that. That's not true. Right. Courtney became a superintendent nine months pregnant, right? Like people had, you know, I think of Jennifer Fila, like, you know, and at the time people are like, wow, you're pregnant and you're a superintendent. The answer is yes. Yes. You know, like sometimes I think, and it doesn't have to be just pregnancy or kids or, you know, um, or things like that, but they're like, I can't do this because, and I think when we say you can, you can, and it is okay to set boundaries and it is okay. We are in the business of children. And I think sometimes we forget that we're in the business of children, meaning that we sometimes sacrifice ourselves time and time again in our own children, instead of having the conversation to say something like, hey, I, I have missed my first kids of, you know, first day of school, their entire career. And I'd like to go to this curriculum night and I'm planning a year in advance and that's okay, right? It's okay to be able to say those things. It's okay to be able to do those things. Will it always work out? No, but it's that notion of like debunking the myth that you can't 
have a family and you can't be an amazing leader or you can't be blank and, you know, or you can't be one, you know, a woman and not set boundaries and have an amazing job. Like, I, I think we have to get better at that. And I'll also say the, so I didn't know Bhavna back then. Um, I certainly know her now, sparkle on. But one of the most compelling pieces of Bhavna's story is that when she was a superintendent and went through a very public situation as a superintendent that nobody stepped up and helped her. She talked to Sarah because Sarah was the general counsel at the time, but there, it wasn't like um, people treated her like the plague because she was going through something publicly. And I think that she on this podcast should at least mention that piece, but that's how we will get our numbers up. So when we see, it's not just when we see something that is awesome. It's when we see somebody going through something really terrible we should reach out to those people. We all have that that ability uh, to do that as um, superintendents in general, but also as women superintendents. I don't know if you want to say anything, Sparkle Sister. Of course I will. Thank you for that nice invitation. I appreciate that, Courtney. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. I think I, I don't think anybody did it on purpose. I just don't think people know how to respond. So our lives are so much in the public. And, you know, this was 10 years ago. So this is before, you know, Twitter was a big thing or it wasn't, you know, Facebook wasn't out there, Instagram. We weren't telling our stories on social media. It was coming up in the paper and my local superintendents, they would reach out to me and just say, I can't even believe you're going through this. But then it stopped. It stopped when it started getting real and it started getting ugly and it started becoming more political. And I think because people thought if they call and reach out to me, what if that happens to me? If they find or that I'm friends with Bhavna, that might happen to me. So I think people just stayed away, but I just think people didn't know what to do. And I think as I share my story and I'm out there, you know, with IASA or with aspiring soups or um, the level up cohort that I'm going to be presenting at, I try to tell people we all know someone like this. We all went through COVID um, in these leadership positions, and it was a very lonely, lonely job. And people had some very divisive boards and political boards. And a lot of this was being aired out in public, but reach out to those people. How are you doing? What can I do to help? What can I do to support you? Be that good friend. Um, and people will not forget it. And other things, as I share my story is I want people come up to me three to five times. I'm not telling you each time I present three to five people come up to me and say, this happened to me, something similar happened to me. And I either had to walk away or I endured it, or I got fired. And then I came back and, you know, left the field for a while. But what I've learned is tell your story, share it. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed about it. And that's what the, I believe this women in leadership cohort, ISA Superwomen is all about, that we have a nice, safe place where we belong and we feel supported. And I can pick up the phone or send an email or shoot a Twitter text and say, hey, listen, I've got this going on, or I heard about this. Do you need anything? I've made so many connections with people that are experiencing the same stories because my story has become their survival guide. And I am just so proud of that because for so long, I was so embarrassed and ashamed of that. So I think we do, we all know someone struggling right now, reach out to them. And like I said, share the friendship, share the support and share the sparkle and love because they need it. I want to get into why it matters that the number of female superintendents uh, are, are uh, continuing to grow uh, in Illinois. So the, the question is, I kind of guys want you to kind of think about this. What can a high quality female leader bring to the role of superintendent that might be different uh, from, from a male? I'll start with, um, 
you know, the research says that oftentimes women have a very empathetic heart um, and that is required for leadership. That doesn't mean that our male colleagues don't aren't empathetic as well. It's just a natural innate quality that we have as nurturers. Um, and sometimes that is seen as weakness because we are empathetic. We want to please, we want to have everyone, you know, be happy, but it also helps build strong cultures. So it's not that, you know, being empathetic, actually the research shows that those are the best leaders. Um, but because of that, we do need more women in leadership. We do need women to rise up to that executive executive level, you know, beyond even principalship or assistant superintendent, but up to the superintendent level. That doesn't mean we can't, we aren't tough too when it comes down to it. We we all know our colleagues can be very tough and we can hold up to some really, really challenging um decisions that have to be made. But because we come at, for the majority, um, women come at the leadership role with an empathetic heart, sometimes that's seen as uh, maybe a detriment, but actually it's a strength. And the research shows that that is a strength. I have one point of research too. I'm not as smart as Carrie, but I will share what I heard today is the number one thing that people are looking for, organizations are looking for. I don't know what the source is. Don't quote me on this but it stood out to me today as I was listening to it on the radio. The number one quality organizations are looking for in a CEO, kindness. Let me share that again. Number one quality organizations are looking for in a CEO, kindness. I want to discuss the landscape of sort of now versus then and sort of what uh, it was like when you guys arrived. We sort of touched on this sort of a little bit, how, but how many of you sort of felt like you were uh, on an island as a female superintendent in your area where you just wanted, were you one of the few where there's a, was there at least like one other super, uh, female superintendent in the county or were you, were you the only one? I mean, I'm going to step in before these guys answer this. And, and I'm going to say that one of the hardest things that I watched female superintendents do is find their own path because there was this push that you, you couldn't be unique as a woman leader. You had to morph into what your male counterparts were doing. Now, another way of saying that, that won't be as politically correct is that you had to play the old boys club. Like you had to not only play it, but you had to play it better. You had to play it stronger. You had to play it faster. And there are trailblazers out there that we'll talk about this, like Diane Robertson and Kathy Robbins. And there's a whole slew of, of leaders that were the only female superintendents in, you know, a 60, 75, 100 mile range. And they will talk about that struggle. And I think that the, perhaps one of the coolest things to watch over the 12 year span I was at IASA is to watch people and watch women say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Love my male counterparts, but I bring something unique to the table. I bring in that compassion piece or that empathy piece. And what I have found is really strong male leaders will come with the John, John Bartels of the world and the Dr. Clarks of the world will come to their female counterparts and say, you know what, how can I do this better? How can I, what am I missing? Just because we're different, it doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It means that we do it differently. Like nothing boils my blood more than when you see an all-female administrative team or an all-male administrative team or like no diversity. Now, some areas diversity isn't, you know, we aren't lucky enough to have it, but the, the idea is that you try to bring people together that are, are, are not like you, so they challenge the process. And I think people were afraid of that. And I think that is morphed into something 
um, way better. So the biggest thing I can say is I don't want people to feel, cause I don't think that club's around anymore. I think it's, 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 I think that club is not as dynamic and people aren't playing into those clubs as they used to. Um, but I think women have to fight that in a way that's positive, but it's also, you know, it's, it's self-reflective and it's bringing people together that have different, you know, different mindsets. Crystal, how many uh, uh, female superintendents were in your area when you started? I want to say there, there were two others, um, but we are a larger county. So we were separated by distance, I feel, and did not really have those opportunities co to connect. So I, I can't really say that, you know, you were able to build a relationship, um, but much different now. And I also think it's important to note that uh, the infrastructure that ISA has built with women in leadership was sort of not around. As you mentioned uh, five years ago, uh, the meeting with Dr. Clark and sort of got everything. There's just, you, it, you could now there's such an ability to reach uh, other female superintendents from across the state through the different, through the Elevate cohort and through the various uh, Celebrate uh, Women in Leadership events at the ISA Annual Conference, Joint Annual Conference, the lunches and all that. The infrastructure now is so much different. Can you talk about how the, the benefits of having that sort of infrastructure in, uh, in place and the ability to connect with other female superintendents from across Illinois. I think it's um, rather than feeling like you're the only one in the room that is alone, perhaps. And and when I started um, as a superintendent, you know, many years ago, I, it was pointed out to me by a male colleague that I didn't match what was el everyone else that was in the room. Um, I took that very personally and hold on to that. But we aren't alone. And so being able to see one another, even on the lunch um, podcast, you know, webinars that IASA is holding. And like Jason mentioned, the at the conferences, being able to join one another, see that you are not alone in this in this work, that yes, we have a unique perspective as women um, and we have unique challenges sometimes, but you're not alone. We're right here together and being able to celebrate one another, but also connect to one another and see that this is a, a career A that you can do and that you can su be successful in and that you can enjoy. So all of those taken together are what we're seeing in one another by being able to connect and be together in a room or together online. Um, those, those experiences are really powerful. Let's just talk about how uh, attending uh, those events and the women leaders stuff can make you a stronger uh, superintendent and a stronger leader. I feel like when you leave there, you feel refreshed. Um, it's a confidence booster um, because you have other females surrounding you, cheering you on, but at the same time, um, understanding each other's stories and the challenges that we face. So I look forward to those events and feel refreshed after those opportunities. I also feel like it humanizes you because it can just be sometimes um, you're a leader this is what you have to do. You kind of go through the motions, you know, you have a job, you have a checklist, you have responsibilities, you have a to-do list, whatever you have to do. But I feel like when you go to the women in leadership sessions or the luncheons, as Crystal said, it connects you to other people. You hear their stories. You say, wow, I'm going through something similar. Or I have gone through something similar, or that's what, you know, the next phase or stage of my life might be, you know, if there are some younger moms out there that can look at maybe somebody like Carrie and I and say, okay, so we've got kids, you know, in college, 
they can do it. They did it. I can do this too. I can stick with it. And we started when our kids were young or somebody that's maybe, you know, approaching retirement and that's what retirement looks like. And, you know, maybe not being so far away from that. Yeah, I can do that. I can see myself after the superintendency. What does that mean for me? So I feel like it just gives us real personal human connections to people and um, a stronger network of people beyond just the superintendent. So when we come back, we have such a broad perspective to share, not only with our teams, but with our boards and our communities. I think that things have been positive, but I also get feedback from people like men should be sitting in this room. So that's that's one of the pieces of feedback. And my response to that is always, men are always welcome to join us anytime. And so I think now, when we market things, you know, even Jason today was like, okay, so I'm doing a podcast with nine women uh, today, You're doing a great job, Jason. Uh, but here's what I want you to know. I, I always think that men should be part of that conversation because men are surrounded by women in their organizations all the time because majority of teachers are female. With that being said, I think part of the issue is when Bhavna and Crystal are saying they leave these sessions and they feel refreshed, empowered, energized, part of our biggest challenge is getting people there, getting women to actually leave their district and show up because women are conditioned to stay, stay in their office, take care of everybody around them. We're not really good about putting ourselves first and getting out of the school district to be able to engage. So I think one of the things that we have to do moving forward is tap people on the shoulder regionally, make phone calls, text people and say, you need to get there. Um, Bhavna has uh, men and women who work with her and we were at an event and the men all attended and the women couldn't find a way, right? Because there was something happening and things happen all of the time in school districts. But I will have a lot of women say, I just can't find the space or the time to get out of the school district to get to that luncheon, to get to that event. And I, I think that there are times where you literally can't. And then I also think that we put that on ourselves some of the time as well. And I think that that's some of the work we've been focusing on is to help women understand that if you don't take care of you, no one else will. And if you don't draw boundaries, you will have no boundaries. Um, so I think through the women in leadership opportunities and elevate, we have a lot of those conversations about here are my boundaries and it's okay to make time for you. And it's okay to take time of your, take care of yourself. If you don't, no one else will. I think one of the other benefits to us coming together and having some of this, the unique experiences is that oftentimes too, women need to have a tap on the shoulder. So when we're together, we can tap our, you know, tap one another on the shoulder and say, it's your turn to step up. So you're seeing that in some of the women in leadership events, you know, superintendents are bringing their assistant superintendents and saying, look, look around the room. You can be one of these powerful female leaders in the state of Illinois as well, because you're ready. Because oftentimes when you ask them why they haven't taken that step, it's often because they say, well, I'm not quite ready yet. Yes, you are. You are ready. And so I think as women, we, you know, and the research also says that, you know, we look at a woman will look at a job description and say, I have to have all of these mastered before I step into the role. And the men will look at it and say, yeah, I can handle that. I'll figure it out. But we feel like I have to have all of that, you know, perfected, or I'm going to ruminate on the piece that I don't know, or the piece that maybe isn't a strength yet, instead of taking that leap and saying, okay, I'm ready and I will learn. 
um, how to how to take on the this aspect of the of the career. So being able to tap one another on the shoulder and saying, "You're ready. Yes, you can do this, and we're here to support you. We're gonna we're gonna help elevate you and give you those tools, or give you the at least the resources to find." that level of, of skill set that you need for this career. Now, Dr. Zell, when you and I were uh, talking kind of the other day about this, the Leadership Matters story, we were talking a little bit about some of the misconceptions about women in leadership. And I think we've sort of established already that it's uh, it's not exclusive uh, to female men are invited to the event, but even like still five years into this to this day, and maybe it's done in sort of a jokey fashion, but uh, you still hear uh, male superintendents say, "Are you guys are just doing? Are you doing male bashing going on in those meetings?" Can you sort of address that? And like, that's not what 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 these events are about. Yes, because I have a yeah. lot of research in this particular area from um, being being there in person. So my research is practical research. I, every time that I do a region meeting, I say I'm going to talk about women in leadership. And by the way, this is not because I'm a man hater. And so we do kind of laugh that off. However, certainly there have been men who have felt that this is an us versus them. And so we try to do every single thing that we can to bring men into the conversation. I mean, it was a male principal who took a chance on me years and years ago. And so many of us have had really great male leaders and influences in our lives. And I think that one of the things that we have to continue to do, it can't just be me working at the association saying it, it needs to be everybody on this call, anyone who's willing to listen. This is not about men versus women. Men are really critical to the success of women leaders. And every male who has participated in either joint annual conference, triple I stuff, our women in leadership Academy. Every time I teach that Academy, there are men who attend. And every single time I ask them, why are you here today? And I will hear a range of things. One said to me, because I have two female principals and I want to see what the barriers are for them because I want my board of education to strongly consider these two female principals when I retire in two years mad respect. I love that. Um, I had another person that said, honestly, I have daughters at home and I see them getting into the workplace and I want to know what are the barriers, challenges, and do anything that I can as a dad to be a better dad for my daughters. That's amazing. I had one person say, honestly, I am a building principal and I have an all-female staff. I need all, all the help I can get. Okay. We're glad that you're here. All of those men have walked away and found that it's an honest conversation that they felt welcome, that they felt welcome to be in that room. But I will also have women um, have said to me, I don't necessarily like the women in leadership piece because I feel like it's dividing us. And I respect that. And at the same point, I always encourage any female that says that, any leader, please join us and then say that. Don't say it before you have the opportunity to engage in some of the things that we're doing, because I think once men and women are there, they see that this is not men versus women at all. So I hope that I captured some good research examples for those things. That was excellent research, Dr. Orzel. And I just want to add, I think there have been 
the events that I've attended, I think each one of us has our own story, but men personally and professionally, and I'm going to speak on my, you know, with my own words and my own story, I wouldn't be where I am today without amazing, powerful, kind, supportive men in my life, starting at home with my husband, starting, you know, growing up as my father, and then just surrounding myself. All of my mentors were men saying, tap me on the shoulder. You can do this. The reason I went back to grad school is because my superintendent, when I was a fifth grade teacher said, I can see you, you know, being a leader. I can see you being a principal. And if we can inspire other men to have those same conversations, because Jason, I think you shared the numbers. There's 200 and some female superintendents and there's 800 and some superintendents that leaves almost 600. If I did the math correctly, male superintendents that need to know how to connect with women because the majority of them are teachers. I believe, you know, Crystal shared that, or sorry, Carrie shared that research earlier. We need to be able to know how to have conversations with other women. We need to be able to support them. And we need to say that what we can do and influence them is going to make a difference. So I think men should come because it's not just about us in the leadership, but it's how do we coach up and bring up leaders along the way to get them because we're a dying breed and we need to, you know, elevate and support other people to come into the leadership and superintendent world. I also, I mean, we, we can't, we, I mean, we can't ignore the fact that the executive director who gave the huge green light to this, um, you know, was male, is male, you know, and at the end of the day, Um, If you guys have heard the podcast that, you know, Courtney and Kate have, which is amazing um, that, you know, I give a ton of credit. I was a whippersnapper with a brand new baby at home. And he said, can you do this? And I was like, I I think, I think, and he's like, no, the answer is you can do this. Right. And that launched my career. I was, I was 29. Right. And I, and some people are like, that's old. No, I mean, not to the role that I ascended into, um, and I think he be- he believes in that. And there's no bigger fan of Dr. Clark than me. And I, that was the whole point. I put that in the podcast. But it's men like that that paved the way to be able to do things like that. I mean, historic research or not history, I mean, to be honest with you, like we're behind, right? Women leadership, minorities in leadership. It, it's just it's just part of our history. It doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it good. But we wouldn't be here and we wouldn't um, have this opportunity if it wasn't for really amazing men. So sometimes I have to fight being offended by it, right? Or, the, you know, thinking like we're not, no one's male bashing. It's just different. And one of the things I've learned the most in my career is we love to put butts where there should be ands, right? And, you know, and male leaders are amazing and women leaders are amazing and they bring two totally different skill sets sometimes to the table. But like, again, a lot of times we want to put a butt where really we need to put an ant. Um, and so, I mean, big shout out for Dr. Clark. Well, and we're here, you know, with Jason Neville, who asked us to be able to spotlight these programs, you know, so as a male, he's seeing that we need to spotlight the women and the things that you're doing the program. So shout out to Jason. I think probably all of us have had male colleagues or mentors who tapped us on the shoulders to say, you're ready for this. Mine was um, Dr. Richard Volz, you know, and he said, it's time. It's time to, I grad classes with him. And he said, I'd like you to be an assistant superintendent. And I went, what, what, what do you mean? And he said, you, you need to do this. And uh, that those, those men should be celebrated and part of this, uh, that 
and you know being able to see something in in their uh, female colleagues even when we were the very very much the minority um, in this field and um, I think that that's something to celebrate. I want to end the uh, the podcast. We talked about the number of uh, female superintendents uh, growing in Illinois, uh, but, but I want to end it with sort of advice for uh, female teachers, principals, central office staff about how they can uh, make that transition uh, into the superintendency. I think sometimes it starts with just hearing the stories of those that have succeeded or those that are in that position, reaching out to someone to say, how what was your journey to this point? You know, if you see someone who... Um, has taken a journey that you kind of admire or that you would like to emulate to talk about that because we can also then share the challenges. When I remember when I met Bhavna for the first time, I thought, oh my gosh, she's so put together. There is no way I can be as put together or as polished or as classy as she is. And then she told her story and I went, wow, she struggled through something really tough and I can do this too. This is okay for, for me to have challenges it doesn't mean I'm any less successful because holy cow, she's arrived. You know, she's she's doing it. She's super powerful and and in a good way, very much, you know, engaged in her schools. And um, and to see that was so I think reaching out to people who you either admire their story or you see something that they're doing and saying, tell me about your journey. And then seeing that you too can do that journey and you'll have some bumps along the way, but it's okay because you can come out on top, just like Bhavna did. We love our sparkle sister, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, I remember Carrie sharing that story with me, but, you know, moving some of this moving forward, I feel like the partnership that we have with the Illinois Principals Association and ISA with the webinars with women, which everyone here has participated in, is a really great avenue because it's free and people can come on and hear what it's like to be a superintendent. I think for a lot of educators, Part of their reservation moving into a leadership role is how am I going to be a wife? How am I going to be a mom? How am I going to be responsible for making dinner, getting my kids to the doctor when they're sick, wrapping all of the uh, presents for a holiday, planning all of these things? Like women are constantly thinking like, what else, what else, what else, what else? And I think that they get in their own heads and as a result think, I'm just going to stay in my own lane. And we need to have women at the forefront so that teachers can see people like the women that we have on this screen and all of our female um, superintendents across the state and quite honestly, across the country, so that girls sitting in classrooms like my daughter who wants to be a teacher, she's never wanted to be a superintendent, by the way, but she wants to be a teacher that she can look at really great role models in the educational system and say, I can be that too. And we need better pipeline to make things like that happen. And maybe one of the things moving forward, I'm just thinking out loud, but maybe one of the things that we do through this Elevate cohort is create opportunities in our school systems with these women superintendents that they form relationships with girls or they get in front of other girls at a young age and talk about what their career journey has been. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that I think that I think that there's still a lot of work to do. I think that it's great that we're being celebrated and we should continue to to elevate each other, but it really starts with the girls that are sitting in our schools. So there's no better opportunity that we have than 
to figure out how we're going to get these girls to one day, hopefully go into leadership roles and ultimately become superintendents. I think the advice that I would give is to stay true to who you believe you are, right? Yes, we all have to self-reflect. Yes, we all have to grow. Yes, we have to be in a continuous growth model. But I think a lot of things that we hear is teachers say, I don't want to go be a principal because that principal changed, or I don't want to go be a superintendent because that superintendent forgot what it was like to be in a classroom. And I think that's not always a fair assessment because the pressures change and the expectations change. But I also think that one of the things that we need to tell people to be like, it's okay to be your own type of leader. It's not okay not to be self-reflective. It's not okay to have to hear constructive criticism, but it is okay to, 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 to blaze your trail. And it is okay to dare to, to be different or be in the arena and, and, and all of those things. And sometimes you just have to believe in yourself and do what you think you can do along the lines of also having people like this. Like there are days that I call Courtney and be like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. And Courtney's like, that's, you know what I mean? So you have to have the people you call, but I also think you, you know, it's okay to be confident. We're not bossy, right? We love to tell, you know, very forward females that you're bossy or, you know, or the other B word or, you know, other things like that. No, it's okay to be unapologetically yourself as long as you know you're staying with you have to keep your job but it's okay to, to stay true to yourself sarah my my eight-year-old tells me i'm bossy pants all the time so i don't know i must be bossy um i, I will tell you like uh, real quick crystal like i ran into my fifth grade teacher who and it's on twitter right she wrote me this letter about someday i hope you get your mouth under you know you, you talk less or something like that and it's it's an amazing letter but I was at my high school getting a big award and she was also getting, they have it, you know, when you've taught for so long or you've retired, you get to be in the legends club at my high school. So she happened to be in being inducted into the um, legends club when I was, you know, getting a, an award and it literally, we sat there and she goes, I'm sure I'm so glad you didn't take my advice. And I looked at her and I said, well, it was probably good advice then, but I sort of am glad too. Right. But I just think we have to, we have to, we have to let people be true to themselves and grow into their leadership. My advice would be if, if a teacher or principal is listening to this, if you're thinking about being a superintendent, that thought's never going to go away. It will always be there. So if you want to do it, just do it. Don't overthink it. Don't come up with all the excuses. If you're thinking about it, that means it's meant for you and you need to start pursuing. Um, Just don't overthink it. No time will ever be perfect. I'm just going to end with, I agree with what every single fabulous, fierce female said on this podcast. Totally agree. And one thing I just want to capitalize on is what Courtney said is that Elle wants to grow up and be a teacher. No one says they want to grow up and be a superintendent. So we do have to nurture these girls and boys to be the best version of themselves and believe in themselves and do whatever they can. And, you know, dreams come true and dreams and dream big. And I'm going to end with a quote um, that's on my wall that says, believe in yourself. You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem and smarter than you are. Um, smarter than you think, excuse me. And that is in the words of Winnie the Pooh. And that has got me through a lot of really difficult situations. And if we can share that with our counterparts and our aspiring leaders and our children, they will accomplish great things. 
Drop the mic. I told you they'd deliver, Jason. Oh, and by the way, everyone, if you want to be a superintendent, we are currently accepting uh, applications into the Aspiring Superintendent Academy via IASA. How's that for a shameless plug, Jason? I, I was plug. like literally just going to do that, given that Mike and Nick are in just beyond in the other room as you. We should probably uh, plug their Aspiring Superintendent Academy uh, uh, program uh, for that answer. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. This was a great podcast. We had a great discussion today. Uh, check out uh, for IESA members, the uh, Leadership Matters uh, should be coming out uh, in, in early March, uh, where we talk about the number of female superintendents on the rise. Uh, thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm.